Michelle Live podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Live. Michelle Mendoza, thank you for tuning in to My Michelle Live. Our podcast takes on a lot of different issues, but when you get to the end of the week, we look at what we call a week in review. And our week in review is about looking at the biggest stories of the week that are often underreported or spun in a way to get you to think the way someone wants you to think. What we want to do is have what looks like what used to be a free press where we can talk about an issue. Now, you're going to get commentary. You're going to get our opinion, but we are going to research it and we're going to try to be balanced in uh, giving you information and giving it to you in the right way. So we're providing kind of a balance to what you're seeing out there, holding the press accountable and giving you more to the news so that you can make the best decision for you. At any rate, my co-host and cohort in it all, it is Adam Raziri and we call it the Riz Report. Let's review the week. The Riz (laughs) Report with Adam Raziri. Yeah. It's like a nickname, that, right? That it's- was a that was a great tee up there. You know, I mean, that's what we do. You know, we try to offer a really honest perspective. We try to we're not Dan Rather here, like, well, we're, 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 we're not even, not even that, right? But like, if you can just imagine the most objective news source ever, and I don't think Dan Rather was really that, but I know he at least tried in his time. Um, like, we're trying to kind of obviously fact check those who are in positions of authority who share the news with us. But then we also try to make sure that we're calling them out when it's when it's a little bit unjust. But but also we're offering honest commentary, honest analysis from a very I think centered, grounded position and perspective. And this week has definitely not been, um, well, <clears throat> atypical in terms of the media trying to spin the news and trying to drum up hysteria in some cases and really kind of directing attention in some places where maybe it should be, but but also in some places where maybe it shouldn't be. Uh, this this past week, we saw Joe Biden give uh, his, I believe his well, shoot, his first press conference in the in I guess seventy eight days. Uh, his He's second only given solo press conference, second ever solo, only ten this year, in the midst of some huge, ridiculous. When you put it in perspective, this just is, hasn't been, uh, you know, times as usual, kind of a peaceful, you know, all right, not much to talk about. So there's been no ten, ten, if I'm correct, ten press conferences, right. but only two solo press conferences in the midst of a pandemic in the midst of Afghanistan, the midst of supply chain issues in the midst of absolute chaos. Um, So yeah, it's, it's like chaos in chief here. And the white (laughs) house is in crazy uh, defense after this bungling, uh, absolutely marathon press conference. Let's take a listen to what NBC news had to say. It's on Wednesday. Can you think of any other president's done as much in one year? But after that news conference, the White House (laughs) Uh, on defense. Today, President Biden tried to clarify his comments on what punishment Russia would face if it invaded Ukraine. If any, any assembled Russian units move across the Ukrainian border, that is an invasion. If Putin makes this choice, Russia will pay a heavy price. 
But on Wednesday, the president triggered alarm bells in Europe, suggesting the U.S. and NATO response would be determined by the size of a Russian invasion. It depends what? on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion. That earned a rare rebuke from Ukraine's president, tweeting there are no minor incursions, just as there are no minor casualties. <laughs> president Biden also seemed to question the integrity of America's midterm elections this fall if Democrats' voting rights legislation fails. I'm not saying it's going to be legit. It's the increase in the prospect of being illegitimate is in direct proportion to us not being able to get these these reforms passed. But the White House today insists the president did not intend to cast doubt on the election. If there are no damage control in terms of voting rights legislation going forward, the president does still feel confident that the elections this fall will be legitimate. Yes. Peter joining us live now. Peter. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, uh, yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes. listen, guys, relax. Like, only half of the Canadian army invaded Buffalo and Rochester. No big deal. <laughs> like, oh, no, no, it's fine. Only half of the Mexican army, like, went into Austin, but it wasn't the whole thing. So, it's yeah, right. I guess we'll respond accordingly. We'll just impose some minor economic sanctions. I mean, no wonder Ukraine's president had a, a stiff rebuke to what Biden's saying here. You know, he goes from saying, oh, well, there will be severe consequences to, well, you know, well, our response will be commensurate with the amount of troops that you send into Ukraine's territory. Uh, what? What? <laughs> like, this is ridiculous, Michelle, but it's like par for the course with Joe Biden. I mean, it's it, it explains so many things just when it comes to how he treats, you know, not only foreign policy, but but domestic policy, too. Uh, this is just another foreign policy blunder. And I know that originally, and this is a question mark in my mind, but when Obama chose him to be vice president, he chose him to be vice president because the guy had been in office for like 100 years. And so the assumption was that he had a, a fair amount of foreign policy experience. But, you know, it looks like most of his foreign policy experience comes down to personal business dealings with specific Russian oligarchs, with specific mm -hmm. chi Chinese business leaders. Uh, not so much when it comes to, you know, good diplomacy and doing things that not only ensure that American interests are, are, are first and foremost, but but at the end of the day, that when the dust settles, that things are better for everybody. Uh, he, he's doing none of that, right? And so here we are now, like the intelligence sources are saying that an invasion in Ukraine is imminent. We've had Russian troops amassing at the border now for quite some time. And the problem too, though, like we still have, we have a lot of Americans in Ukraine right now. So just imagine all that war, right? There's 15,000 civilian Americans that are in Ukraine right now. Uh, living there either as permanent or temporary residents. Mm -hmm. But then we also have like 165 Florida National Guardsmen who are over there training Ukrainian uh, military uh, personnel. So like what could go wrong, right? I mean, you might've heard my pug just, just bark. She's upset about this. I know I am and so <laughs> should you guys. Uh, this is just a real problem. And you know, when you see Joe Biden be questioned about things that really do matter, and we saw this all throughout the press conference on several different topics, the response to that is typically anger. Like he'll snarl at the reporters. He won't offer an oh, honest yeah. question or an, an honest answer. Yeah, and we're going to get to some of the, know the answer. He won't say, "Okay, you know what? Let me figure that out and I'll get back to you." He yeah, we're going to get to some of the crazy responses as well. Uh, I wanted to linger for a moment on the election issue because that you, this is really crazy. He attacked the legitimacy of the next election but you may remember this when joe biden was talking about uh people of color getting out minorities being able to get out and vote because that's what we're concerned about and if we don't pass this then you're a racist so jim crow 2.0 what happened though what was it that 
that Joe Biden said himself regarding the 2020 election. You may remember this. Watch. Remember how we thought not that many people were going to show up to vote in the middle of a pandemic? We had the highest voter turnout in the history of the United States of America. Well, um, I think if, in fact, no matter how hard they make it for minorities to vote, I think you're going to see them willing to stand in line and, and defy the attempt to keep them from being able to vote. What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. No wonder he thinks that he's like, this amazing president right now, but he's ignoring the fact that 70% of Americans like are hoping that he doesn't run again in 24. Um, th this guy really has like this totally inflated sense of self and also this, this inflated sense of purpose. So much of the country right now is wishing that he was running or that he was serving in the way that he ran, which was as a moderate. He's not doing any of that. You're Does he remember when he was a moderate? And that's part of <clears throat> not to be flippant. Remember when? But, but we had uh, so many people uh, uh, Sunday morning quarterbacking psychology on every network when Trump was in office calling him a narcissist, uh, pulling out, you know, I don't think he's mentally fit to run for right. office. Fine. I don't mind if people are talking. Talk about that. It's important. Dude's got his finger and walks around with his finger on a little red <laughs> button. I want to know the guy's competent, uh, but, but it's hard to get that conversation going so much with Joe Biden, even though there's a lot of evidence. As we talked about these voter rights, um, right. he, he, uh, giving federal government veto power over the state election laws is really crazy to me. You know, well, that, it's that was discussed as well. We, we, like, it's insane that he would, would do Tenth that Amendment. i mean we were right here we go here we go we were talking about buckhead trying to vote to get away from atlanta just just to kind of create their own their own ability to govern themselves uh if if you were to give that sort of power up to a higher authority you just totally give up like you're you give up so much right like this is this concept of majority rule minority rights um like you lose so much of that. And and so it's specific to what Biden's trying to do with these two, basically these two like bills, he's trying to have VP Harris kind of push through the Democrats and it's not going to really go anywhere, but he's trying to have her do one thing, which is going to kind of give the federal government the ability to veto what over 18 states have done now to really to further voter integrity. Okay. Over 70%, I think 80% of Americans um, are in favor of voter ID. Right. Like the Democrats will say you have to show a, a, an identification and a proof of vaccination to enter a restaurant. Yeah. But you don't need on. to show that to vote for your elected officials. That doesn't make any sense. But with with the uh, federal government having the power to veto what states are deciding for themselves, that means that they can go and say that these 18 states that post voter integrity bills, none of which limit the ability to vote or, or suppress any voters from from accessing the polls. Basically, the federal government can say, nah, we're not going to we're not going to let you require people to show their IDs to vote, which is just stupid. Um, another uh, thing that these states are trying to do also is clear out the voter registration rolls of, frankly, dead voters and ineligible ones. Uh, there are specific things that people have to conform to to vote. Michelle, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in certain situations you have to not be a felon, I think, in some states. Not be a felon. Yes. Right. Uh, obviously, you have to be a citizen unless you're in 
well, New York City. I mean, if you're going to vote at the municipal level, you don't even have to be a citizen uh, to vote, which that's going to be challenged for sure, because I don't think that's constitutional. Um, pretty sure you have to be a citizen to vote for officials who represent the citizens, right? Um, so, you know, where are we going to go from here? I think that we're going to see a lot of focus be directed away from COVID, away from the border, even though that still needs a lot of attention, and really just a lot of focus on voting. Now, the thing is, is like they're saying the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, right? They, they'll title, they'll, they'll come up with these fancy names, these fancy titles, and make it seem like it's attractive and that it's a good thing. You think about the Affordable Care Act. I know so many people whose cost of health care doubled after the Affordable Care Act went into law. Okay, and let's um, be balanced on that. Sure. A lot of people lost things that they could go and do. They lost some of their freedoms. It cost a lot more. Other people did benefit. The biggest problem, much like this voter integrity and, and voter laws and voter conversation, is that there isn't a conversation and it's not allowed. So you can't find a consensus. You can't work something out or even find better solutions. You sure. aren't able to. When we get to the point where, where we are demonizing, well, you are just a racist, then there's a problem because we can no longer have conversation absolutely and absolutely and that's well, what came out of the white house this week by the way we were talking about him getting angry at some of the reporters you may uh, want to see this one more sir um you know you talk you campaigned and, and you ran on a return to civility and i know that you dispute the characterization that you called folks who would oppose those voting bills um, as being Bull Connor or George Wallace, but you said that they would be sort of in the, the same camp. No, uh, I didn't say that. Look what I said. Go back and read okay, what I said. Yep. And tell me if you think I called anyone who voted on the side of the position taken by Bull Connor that they were Bull Connor. I mean, no, I called them a racist. <laughs> he said they were, they you, were pretty much what So did you expect that that would work with Senators Manchin or, or Cinema? Um, no, here's argument? the thing. There's certain things that are so consequential. You have to speak from your heart as well as your head. I was speaking out forcefully on what I think to be at stake. Okay, now we're justifying That's what it. That's it is. And by the way, forcefully. no one... No one forgets who was on the side of oh. King or Verse on or Bull Oh, Connor. we oh, don't. That's because he was oh, arrested, right? When he, was active, okay. when he was an activist, he was arrested. Why don't, we talk about, why don't we talk about that? No one forgets who was on what side. You're going to be held accountable if you're on the wrong side. You're going to be remembered as a racist because no one forgets what side you were on. Really? Well, you're kind of hoping that they are. And I, I want to say this, not just, not just to, to try to be some kind of let's bring Biden down person, but to say, all right, you want, you want to remember history. Let's remember history and let's be honest about history because the press sometimes forget. Sometimes they're there. Sometimes they're not. And let's take a look at this. This was uh, from CNN. Oh, before the 2020 election. 
Joe Biden is coming back as a solo act. I'm ready to go. With his long record facing a new look under the spotlight of the 2020 campaign. Gentlemen and ladies of the Senate. One chapter receiving fresh scrutiny comes from his earliest years in the Senate when he strongly opposed mandatory school busing. It was designed to achieve integration and a more equitable education. It was the mid-1970s. Biden favored desegregation, but not through busing. What's less known is how he followed the lead of some of the Senate's most fervent segregationists. In a series of never-before-published letters reviewed by CNN, the strength of Biden's opposition to busing comes into sharper focus. On March 25, 1977, Biden wrote, My bill strikes at the heart of the injustice of court-ordered busing. It prohibits the federal courts from disrupting our educational system. Biden sought and received support from Mississippi Senator James Eastland, the Democratic chairman of the Judiciary Committee and a leading symbol of Southern resistance to desegregation. He frequently spoke of blacks as, quote, an inferior race. Biden reflected on that era earlier this year. There are a bunch of racists. You know, there was, you know, James O. East of Mississippi, Strom Thurmond, and so on. Uh, there were nine guys in, who were in the caucus that were, you know, I ran against in the civil rights movement. But he did not say that Eastland and others were partners on several of Biden's anti-busing bills. Yeah, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, to be honest. We yeah. really have to be honest uh, about what really happens in Washington, D.C., when you hear all of this rhetoric, and that's exactly what it was this week. Uh, former Reagan White House speechwriter Peggy Noonan, if you remember her, in the Wall Street Journal, she had said, it seemed this speech that Biden gave prepared by people who think there is only the Democratic Party in America. That's it. Everyone else is an outsider who can be disparaged. It was a mistake on so many levels, she said. If a president is uh, rhetorically manipulative and divisive on voting right bills, it undercuts what he's uh, trying to establish, she said, on COVID and the economy. And that's very, very important. You know, when you have, when you have this mindset that everybody thinks like us and if they don't they're demonized you have right. uh, the division that joe biden said he was against when he took office it's really toxic you know it's it's it's, it's so toxic especially when it starts to creep into the leadership levels of everything uh the media technology industry uh the educational industry too we just heard uh, some headlines about uh, the professor jordan peterson resigning from his tenure at yeah. the university of toronto and why did he do that? Well, because if you ain't woke, then you're not going to get the research funding to further yourself as, a, as an academic professional. Uh, he's literally been working in an educational environment that, frankly, it perpetuates uh, r racism. I mean, that's that's the best word for it. It, perpetu it perpetuates racist ideologies. It does not allow educators to think critically. It, it forces them to really conform to what the uh, critical race theory proponents would like to impose on all of us across the United States. And so, his concern was that <clears throat> what's happening with this is that you are not looking for the best candidate in a kind of a colorblind uh, atmosphere. You're not looking for the best candidate. You're not looking for the brightest researcher or the person. And it doesn't matter what color they are. Uh, we don't have enough of this right. kind or we have too many Asians or we have too. You know, you're not looking for that. It's and nuts. so it's you're going lunacy. to have less ability. You're going to have less 
excellence and you're only going to have one kind of mindset. If you come from this kind of mindset, you're not welcome here as a doctor, as an attorney, because he said they're leaning in that direction, not just with psychology that you have to pass the woke test, literally. Uh, So that was part of his reasoning. And this is why we're we're looking at it at a time where people are indeed a, a little concerned about that. However, I want to belay your fears because what happened things fall apart um, much like they have with COVID and people start saying oh wait a minute everything wasn't right now you're going to have those holders on like uh, you have a, a bunch of people who I think there's 10% of Americans who probably the okay I'm going to be mean here probably the ones that don't even know the name of the vice president who say yeah Joe Biden's <laughs> doing a great job right uh, but you have this vast majority of Americans 49% of registered voters disagree with the statement Joe Biden is mentally fit and that's oh, along with wrong. his F rating of, of a grade of his presidency from the mass majority, 60 some percent of the people have given him an F grade, an F grade. Well, it's no surprise, Michelle. I mean, when you, when you look at this and you realize that not even a strong majority of Democrat voters feel that he's strongly fit or strongly agreed with the idea that he's mentally sound and capable of, of holding this office. That's a big problem. I mean, let's not forget, right? It was the independents and the moderates for the most part that elected Joe Biden. Uh, It wasn't just Democrats alone. So it was pretty easy for the independents to say, you know what, this guy's really not, uh, he's not giving us what we purchased, right? He's not doing what he said he would do. Uh, He really just kind of went to the far left agenda. And so those Democrats, though, even they are saying, "Eh, I don't know if he's quite sharp enough. When you watch this guy speak, you literally see him reading the, the prompter and having a hard time doing that trying to focus he, he what are they shooting him up with i want to know and i have two questions <clears throat> one i'm confused with well uh, just briefly the voter thing anyway if we and this was something that 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 was asked afterwards uh that we just saw of pasaki was that okay does he feel like the the elections are are, are, are not going to be safe if we don't pass this because that's what he was portraying. So well, yeah. is he so sure that he actually got elected? I mean, that's what I, I was thinking. Like what? Okay. This is awkward. And number two, this is almost reminiscent of a lot that can be wrong with the American education system. We have kids who are like 26th in, in math or reading, you know, in the, in the world, in the, the strongest, most powerful nation in the world. That doesn't make sense. Kids get F's, but the funny thing is kids rate themselves. Do you know where we're number one in the United States of America, where our kids are concerned? Where? where they feel good about themselves. And oh, that no. is this speech. Indicative well, of this speech. Emojis, right? He, he gets sure, an no F. Problem. Yeah, right? He gets an <laughs> F where his presidential uh, leadership is concerned from the American people. But in the speech, have you ever known a president who's done more? We feel great about ourselves. And that's well, I guess the funny indicative thing is of about- America. Well, the funny thing about this whole speech is like the, the most honest moment literally was on this this topic of uh, this reporter saying, literally, why do you suppose such large segments of the American electorate have come to harbor such profound concerns about your cognitive fitness? To that, President Biden answers, 
I have oh. no idea. <laughs> like that was the most honest moment of the entire <laughs> long hours long press. <laughs> it's true. Like, but well, we, we know, sir, we know you don't have any idea. We, we, we got that one established. <laughs> Let's circle back to uh, Peggy Noonan's statement that uh, I think has some deeper meaning here. If a president uh, is rhetorically manipulative and divisive on voting right bills, it undercuts basically everything else that he says on COVID and the economy. And I wanted to linger on his COVID response right now because um, this is huge. We have a lot of issues surrounding the COVID issue. A reporter asked Biden about his three-hour virtual summit with Chinese president. And uh, that that was revealing as well, Adam. Well, it's like it's like being a, you know, that, a teenager, right? And you finally have that moment to ask her on a date and then you don't. This was President <laughs> Biden with President Xi. He literally had such a good opportunity to say, President Xi, like, dude, what's like, what's going on here? Why aren't you being more transparent about the truth of the COVID origins? Why aren't you letting inspectors check out the Wuhan lab? Why, why aren't you being more transparent and upfront about this? Literally, he had a three and a half hour virtual summit with the Chinese leadership team. And there was a, like basically no reference to that at all. It was just like, it was almost like these implied like, yeah, well, we expect you guys to be more transparent moving forward. It, it literally, it was like the name that we don't say, like Baltimore, right? Like we're not going to say, we're not going to say anything specific to the fact that the American public is demanding answers. Now, Michelle, I think we already kind of know most of those answers from what we've seen through mm -hmm. leaked emails, exposing Fauci's BS, mm -hmm. uh, through the Washington Post reneging on what they once called to be debunked claims about the, the lab leak theory uh, when they were trying to disparage Senator Tom Cotton. So, you know, even though like we kind of know what the deal is in, in respect of, of the origins of COVID and the fact is, is we've had over a million Americans basically die from this thing. And we, we should be given a transparent, full-fledged effort here from, from China as, if nothing, if not as a, I, I struggle to say partner here because they do rely on us so economically and so do so many American companies. Mm -hmm. A lot of trade happens between the U.S. and China. And so in that spirit alone, they should, they should be more of a partner here, but they're just not. No, they aren't. And this is, I, I don't know, maybe can we say it's indicative of a very poor response? Uh, this cartoon to me kind of says it all. <laughs> that yeah. is so good. Yeah, it's, it kind of says it all. Let's take a look at that one. Uh, it, it, we don't well, know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. We've got... I have a question michelle though like yeah. about the china thing do you think he was like so soft on this because of like the obvious and kind of known connections there between you know hunter and and chinese state-owned businesses or perhaps president biden's own chinese -owned well, and interests? that's part of the problem is that we have selective outrage what what is known as selective outrage so i'm outraged about this but i you know like the like the owner of uh the uh, basketball team down there in california <clears throat> you know uh, we don't really care about that you know it's not even on my <laughs> radar you know the uh, the warriors owner you know no we it, 
that's not on my radar. We have selective outrage. I care about the important things that no one really cares about. We have selective outrage. There's no consistency. And that's where you need to check your worldview. If your worldview doesn't have consistency, then there's a problem. Then probably you're you're living a a fallacy. And that's where we're at today. We because it doesn't benefit me or because I have ties there or because of my own sins and fallings, failings, we are not looking at at China and the human rights issues and the internment camps and the slavery. We frankly don't care because it doesn't suit our interests or our pocketbook. Selective outrage. It's a lack of principles, Michelle. When you have principles, then it's a lot easier to be consistent on your positions because you also have vision with that, right? So it makes it a lot easier to, frankly, when, when news stories hit the press, for them to age well. There are so many, so many different headlines that don't age well at all for a lot of the far left leaders. They, they say one thing, and then 12 months later, they're shown to say something that's totally opposite. And we've seen that time <laughs> and time true. again with COVID, with elections, with, shoot, Joe Biden, right? Like, the guy who eulogized uh, literally a KKK leader, right? It, it also saying that he was uh, arrested as a, as a civil rights activist. No, he wasn't. He actually uh-huh. was, was a, he admitted to the fact that his closest connection to the, the civil rights movement was the fact that he was a lifeguard at a public pool that happened to be patronized mostly by, by uh, black swimmers, right? Like, so because he was a, the white kid lifeguard at this pool that happened to be a mostly black pool, he felt like he was connected to the civil rights movement. It, that, that's really his closest tie to it as a, as a kid. Yeah. Um, and, and he had to admit that too publicly, but then after he admitted it publicly, well, he ran his election very differently. Um, and, and so that's the thing when, when headlines hit, they just don't age well because they're eventually exposed to be, well, they're liars, right? Unfortunately, we have a short attention span or uh, now we're doing two things. We are either not reporting it or re-reporting it, or we're spin doctoring it. Now, I wanted to linger here. We're going to get back to the speech, but I think this plays in because of Biden's inability to lead and ineffectiveness where COVID-19 is concerned. We're going to do kind of a quick C-19 update and give you a little bit of information on on what's been going on in the world of COVID-19 because there's some big weird things happening there. First of all, let's get this on the screen. Uh, New data is showing that those who have recovered from COVID-19, those who have recovered, you know, like uh, you had it naturally, were less likely than vaccinated to get infected during the Delta wave. So it showed that both vaccination and uh, prior infections offered protection Uh, during the Delta wave, but that cases and hospitalization rates were actually lower from people who just recovered, who got it naturally, uh, as opposed to people who have been vaccinated. So wait a minute, that shows that if I got it naturally. Now, what they're saying, though, you know, in the newspaper is that vaccines uh, provide the best protection from COVID-19. 
Oh. From the, from, but what they're saying, though, is, look, it's dangerous. And there there's some truth here. It is dangerous to just say, I think I'll just go ahead and get it naturally. If you're not healthy, if you don't have a robust immune system, if you're not paying attention to things they're not talking about, like cutting out sugar and putting down the dang cheeseburger chick, you know, those are things we should be talking about, getting, getting exercise, being healthy, uh, feeding your body the things that it needs, the vitamins and nutrients to fight off things that you get exposed to. Exposing yourself to things, taking off the dang mask and makes, making sure that your immune system, like a muscle is getting worked out on minor things. What they're, what they're not reporting completely. Oh, they're starting to have to though. And so that's what we're seeing. So Uh, Early Omicron breakthroughs show that the mRNA vaccine weakness is profound. So as we're looking at Omicron, what that means is the vaccines are not effective against Omicron. That's why we have so many people in hospitals with Omicron. So, and have been vaccinated. Oh, but wait, there is more. We also know that the fourth Pfizer dose, insufficient to ward off Omicron, according to an Israeli uh, uh, study. But there is also something else we need to take into consideration as we're looking at some of these headlines, if you have it, we're showing them on the screen. We'll have some links at mymichellelive.com. But uh, these are researched and these are, this isn't just uh, hearsay here. This is a big deal too. And it affects you, whether you've been vaccinated or not. It's called mad disease. Have you heard of mad disease? I've heard of mad cow disease. And, (laughs) um, you know, when I saw mad, I was just like, Maybe like when Fauci sees headlines like this, he just gets mad. He's like, well, it'll work for the bat version of Corona. (laughs) (laughs) I I haven't heard about mask asphyxiation disease, though. Tell me about it. Mask asphyxiation disease is now sweeping across America and the world. It's hypercapnia, and it occurs when CO2 levels elevate in our bodies. And this happens when we rebreathe the gaseous waste air that's coming out of our mouth. There's a reason why the CO2 is supposed to be expelled from our body not sat sitting there for us to rebreathe for eight hours a day during work or when we're walking into a restaurant before sitting down and then it the virus is no longer transmittable it imposes harmful and dangerous effects on the body and on the mind so what happens is you're rebreathing the co2 and it increases your blood pressure Think of your, if you already have high blood pressure, right. it leads to rapid heart rate, to a rapid heart rate, <clears throat> chest pain, confusion, twitches, headaches, fatigue, panic attacks, and I would argue mass formation psychosis. Oh, yeah, that's a, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Once this becomes perpetual, organ damage uh, and wow. asphyxiation, it's like a slow asphyxiation. We're slowly asphyxiating asphyxiating ourselves it and about 200 million americans are suffering from this relatively new syndrome resulting from being deprived of our oxygen we're not breathing i mean like go figure right like heart disease is already a huge huge problem in our country so 
here's something else just to make heart disease even worse. Like, let's just do everything we can to drive up blood pressure. Like sprinkle some salt on that mask also while you're at it. (laughs) True story. But wait, there is more. Uh, MIT scientists totally concerned about brain damage to kids from COVID shots uh, because they know that the mRNA does not just stay where it's supposed to in your arm other studies are showing women are missing periods they are it's it's getting into our reproductive system but she's concerned with things like parkinson's later as Mm. it it uh, goes into some of the wrong places that's a real concern now it's a concern. It's not a study. It's not peer reviewed, but that is something we should be talking about. We are not. In the meantime, uh, the UK really has lifted restrictions on the on all of the restrictions. Gone. They're like, okay, the waves peaked. This isn't working. It's destroying our economy. Surprisingly, they're not the only ones. Starbucks says that they they're saying the vax mandate we're going to go with the supreme court carhartt is not by the way so that's kind of a weird one isn't it yeah but the uk seriously the uk is 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 saying okay these are we're going to lift all of these restrictions now i as we say that and that's promising you know like that's, that's promising because we've seen so many of these leaders both at the government and corporate level rely on what they're calling to be settled science but i mean michelle science is never settled right never like settled. ever especially when it comes to the fact of, or to, to the idea of uh, i want to get this to you parts of it so yeah i want to get uh, this cartoon it's it's a meme actually so excuse me for bumbling you're seeing all the stuff i'm doing on my computer but i love this meme australians watching the uk remove all mask mandates this poor guy is sitting here out behind a barbed wire fence like that's that's crazy that that's what's going on right now you know just imagine that being Djokovic trying watching like the australian open he's like guys the real winner is not the real winner this year (laughs) (laughs) it's just insane uh, let's see. We uh, stopped streaming for a moment, so we're going to go back to uh, something happened. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe well, they didn't like what we were saying, but you know, uh, it's very possible they were just like, "Oh, wait a minute now. Wait, what did, you, did it, it picked up on mRNA as like a trigger? You know, like, eh, <laughs> mRNA. Mm, better stop that rat now." <laughs> yeah. So can you? This is. Um, the problem with what we saw with the president's speech, we're dealing with a pandemic where people have lost their jobs. People are shut out of jobs. People right. are forced to wear masks that are making us sick and have very little effect. I'm going to, uh, you know, people say it has absolutely no effect. If you can smell a fart through a, through a mask, <laughs> then you can, right. Uh, and I get that. But I, I will argue there is maybe some, maybe, you know, what do they say? Maybe 11% less chance that you'll get it okay. Uh, but there is a huge chance that you're going to uh, be affected by uh, asphyxiation disorder. So, you know, you kind of have right. to weigh it through. Well, it's it's especially terrible for children. You know, like it, it's, it's so strongly mm-hmm. impacts their learning especially when they're learning the English language, which is not an easy language, by the way, uh, they can't, they can't rely on the visual like existence of seeing 
the mouth move when it when it says things so they can't Mm -hmm. necessarily communicate the way that really we got to communicate as kids right they're not looking at the teacher's mouth plus Um, you know the confusion that happens because you're not getting oxygen to your brain you are not getting oxygen to your brain now let's just let's just err on the side of well see these things protect us from the from the virus because it limits the air coming in okay well think about it it also limits the air going out then Right. So that's what you're doing to your children by your insistence. Um, you need to, as a, every good parent, look at all of the options, find out what's really going on so that you can do what's best for your children. And finally, on this uh, topic, Adam, if we're not talking about it, I talked to a friend yesterday who said, what's going to happen to my kids in the future? Look, if we're talking about it, there's there's answers. Natural right. medicine has glorious answers for all kinds of things, including the virus you know we we've had great natural protocols in place that i took when i had corona Uh, we can find answers to the myocardosis to some of the concerns maybe parkinson's and other things in our children from getting the vaccine we should be able to find answers the sooner we talk about it the sooner we'll be able to find solutions so i couldn't agree more this is where we have uh, a problem, though, with the president. If he can't be trusted and he's so divisive and, and so evasive, um, like all politicians can be, how can he be trusted when we're seeing all of these news stories? Boom. They know this, too. They're seeing this, right. too. They're not paying attention to it. You can't trust them on anything, it would seem, you know, and big issues like uh, Russia, the Ukraine, um, problems well, with uh, Build Back Better, all of these things. You're like, well, Michelle, when you're looking at like a 70, like a poll that has 70 percent of people saying, I hope you don't run again. But then you're listening to the guy literally stand up there and say verbatim, can you think of any other president that has done as much in one year? Name one for me, Biden says. I'm serious. You guys talk about how nothing has happened. Y- yeah, right. When it comes to like, well, first of all, nothing has happened. I mean, it, a lot has happened. That's not good. Uh, but when it comes to getting things done and when it comes to living up to campaign promises, yeah, nothing has happened. Well, okay. So let's... Uh juxtapose that to trump who would have no problem saying i'm the best president that ever drew breath everyone and you're knows going, it. oh my gosh <laughs> everyone you. will tell you i'm the best everyone knows it. <laughs> now, now okay and as as like palm hit <laughs> palm to head hitting as that Salesman. is he did keep campaign promises right and he did do a lot where we're not seeing anything done and we're seeing the nation completely fall apart. Well, so it took us a, a year, Michelle, to make the media start to actually ask him questions. Like the, the sweetheart media that he dealt with for the first, like what, eight months or so it was really, it was, it was up until Afghanistan when the media started to say, wait a minute, maybe we should dig into this one a little more yeah. and ask some real questions. And now that like, it's starting Americans to affect all of us, fiscally you know it's the economy stupid it starts to affect your pocketbook suddenly your ideology it comes this comes second <laughs> to your right. pocketbook now there's another issue i wanted to get to that has you've been pretty passionate and really up on and it's the democrats introduced the banning surveillance advertising act yeah yeah so i've been covering this one a little bit this week and uh in a nutshell 
for, for a long time now, we've heard both the left and the right bipartisan voices talking about the fact that big tech is just way too powerful. Michelle and I would agree. What we're seeing now is this legislation being introduced, not from the bipartisan kind of, I guess, perspective, but it's being introduced by uh, three uh, Democrat politicians, uh, representatives Anna Eshoo of California, Jan Schakowsky from Illinois, and then you know, the Senator Cory Booker, who sometimes is very, very passionate when he's up there at the podium, and I would say more entertaining than not, but but really not much more. Uh, they're, they're proposing basically this, this new legislation that would really just almost immediately nuke uh, the ability of small businesses to advertise online. It would immediately nuke the Facebook and Google advertising model, which while some of us might be like, yeah, go get them, it, it's, it's a very, very harsh, harsh sort of, of act to take. Um, it's it's like the idea of of just totally destroying something versus like slowly dismantling it. What's the uh, purpose this was, behind this? What's the there's always the this is to moral stop. thing, you know, or it, people are racist because of it, or it's in, in, <laughs> inequality. You know, it's it's got to be. Well, here's this is the interesting thing, Michelle. That. So they're basically saying the purpose is to stop these big tech platforms from tracking what you do from one from one website to the next, and and it's they're trying to say like, oh, these guys are evil, and they're predators, and they prey on your data. And, and to they some do. extent, they're right. Exactly. To some extent, they're right. Yeah. Um, but the, but here's the scary thing. When you dig into this particular legislation, you realize that the groups that have been working with these uh, legislators to push this policy are actually advocacy, advocacy groups that are funded by big tech itself. So when you look at the title here, the Banding Surveillance Advertising Act, it makes me think, wait a minute, maybe this is the Encouraging Surveillance Advertising Act, because what it does is it actually takes the power away from small advertisers and small businesses, and it gives the power to basically the elected officials, the leadership who's already colluding daily with big tech, and then also big tech's community standards enforcement teams and their marketing analysts. It literally takes the power away from us as users to say, you know what, I, I would like to opt into being tracked because I want relevant advertising. I don't want to be a 70-year-old man who's being advertised products that are specific to a 14-year-old girl. Um, I don't want to be a 14-year-old girl who's being advertised products that are really just only for maybe a 30 or 40-year-old man. This bill would literally destroy uh, small businesses' abilities to ensure that when they advertise a product or service, that the right people are the ones that see it. Okay. We can all agree that we have a big problem with how big tech influences what we do, where we do it, what we think. It's definitely it's definitely too um, <clears throat> intertwined with our daily realities here. I have a suggestion. But, yeah, I think if here. you don't want to be tracked, turn off the damn electronics. I mean, and yes. it's true. And you have your watch, your Alexa, your everything is listening to you. I mean, it's almost to the point where it's creepy. I may have, I have, you have a conversation with your friend or your spouse uh, about, you know, gosh, I think I need a new tent for camping. And how did, how all of a sudden do I have all these tent <laughs> right. ads? It's creepy. You don't want it. Turn right. it off. Just this week, went out on the whole river with Keep It Dry uh, Charters. And um, man, it was a blast. It was just awesome. pristine. My cell phone didn't work. I could take pictures, but there was no connectivity. It was peaceful. It was serene. And uh, my mom used to say, in the city, there's there's much more of mankind in out in the wild, there's much more of God and in direct relation. And I'll tell you what, that's where, where 
I've heard it said that God has two books, the Bible and the book of nature, and you can learn so much from both and connect with him through both. Get out of it. So you don't like it. Turn off the damn electronics. Stop with our addiction to having to be connected all the time. And let me suggest get connected with each other. Get connected with God. That's what we really, really need. So you don't think it'll pass though, right? It won't pass. The reason why it's it's important to talk about is because you're seeing a really, really quick and short-sighted solution being proposed by the far left. The right solution is a bipartisan solution. The right solution is one that comes from the private sector. First of all, educate people, right? The fact is, is like Michelle said, you can turn off the devices. You can choose for certain apps to not track your activity. You can use certain browsers that will not uh, follow you from one site to the next, DuckDuckGo, Uh, specifically set settings within Microsoft Edge, Apple Safari, Mozilla Firefox. As users, you do have have a right right now based on existing privacy laws uh, to not be tracked. So the fact is, is you can do that. The other, the the solution here too, is one that's going to be proposed by the private sector. Let entrepreneurs and innovators continue to offer better products that help with privacy enhancement. Um, And then also too, as businesses start to rely less on these these big third-party advertisers and start to collect your own first-party data. Start to rely on building a marketing database that you use for email marketing and stop relying so heavily on Facebook ads and Google ads and, and the things that, frankly, as a company, my clients use all the time, but there is a reliance there. And when it comes to advertising, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Always just expect one to fall. Makes sense to me. One other issue that I thought was a big issue this week uh, came from the January 6th incident and new information on the one person who lost her life there. Um, It's a very sad but interesting story I want to take on Ashley Babbitt today. Really, really sad. So, Michelle, what are some of the things that you've heard about Ashley Babbitt in the media. You probably heard things like uh, she's an insurrectionist and she's a terrible person. She's a crazy Trump supporter. She was an extremist, a, a Trump supporter. Uh, she was in the military. So she's one of those paramilitary now um, extremists that want to take over the nation and have yeah. that disregard. And that's the, that's kind of the mindset that you get. What we see from a new video is really astonishing and sad and right. I wish it would stop us in our tracks. I wish it would stop us and have us say, oh, okay, enough of this ridiculousness, enough of this division. Let's really right. talk about issues. And and why was it that the, the person who shot her wasn't just immediately called to answer for that? Um, you see police well, around the United States. Let's talk about what happened States. with her. Right. Well, so in this perspective, we found video of her. Uh, walking up to the speaker's lobby doors. Um, at the moment, she's occup- or accompanied by uh, by one man, and she approaches three Capitol Guardsmen who are just standing there with masks on, just kind of hanging out. Uh, they're, they're not really hanging out. They're just standing there because they're on guard duty, right? But the point is, is there's not a big mob behind her at the moment. <clears throat> and she walks up to these officers, and she starts complaining about the fact that there are people that are on the Capitol grounds that are destroying windows, that are destroying property, and she's really upset about it. And she's saying that you guys should be calling for backup right now to stop this. Why are you just standing around and letting so this happen? So in other words, she's trying to stop this violence, um, the insurrection, the problems before it starts. Let's watch exactly. some of this video. We're telling everybody under the mask up there's a 
So she starts on, you know, just here we are. I just want to make my point, and we're here in a protest. Man, you are covered. I thought I was bad. You got it way worse. Hey, do you need water or something? So this is moments before, basically they're followed by the mob that's kind of coming up behind them. Uh, there's there's more video that was captured by the same person who, who shot this one uh, of her trying to stand in between basically this, this guy named Zachary Alam who was on video shown uh, punching the glass right next to the to one of the officer's heads. Uh, he was shown pounding the wall. And so the thing is, is Ashley Babbitt was actually a police officer in the United States Air Force for 14 years. Um, and her husband basically said that from his perspective, her experience in law enforcement told her that something about what she was witnessing from the behavior of the Capitol officers that day was very off. Uh, they weren't doing anything. You, there, there's videos of them taking selfies with people that were on the Capitol grounds and inside the Capitol itself. You notice there the 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 guy that was with Ashley Babbitt was offering the officer a water. Very, very buddy-buddy sort of experience. They weren't sitting there saying, get out of the Capitol, get out right now. That's not what was going on before the mob eventually kind of rushed in and started knocking stuff down and trying to break down glass. Uh, you, you Basically, we find out that Ashley Babbitt was literally trying to get the officers to stop the destruction that was taking place on the Capitol, trying to get them to actually do something, but they just weren't. She tried to stop at least four times the assault on the speaker's lobby. Four moments, times. You guys call for backup. You, you need, and, and, and so what? They shoot her? <laughs> well, so, yeah, well, so that's the thing. So moments later when the mob comes in and the Zachary Alam guy starts uh, uh, pounding out the glass, uh, come to find out that Ashley Babbitt had been dealing with, she had like claustrophobia, right? And so what she was trying to do by getting through the window, because that's shown on video right before she shot in the neck, is she was trying to get on the other side of the doors to help secure those doors to stop the mob from getting in. Her past experience in law enforcement said, hey, Ashley, start trying to help the Capitol officers secure this this area. Um, in fact, you see her shot, and then that's the end of it. And it's 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 really a tragedy Not because quite the end there's of it. been no discussion of it. Not quite the end of it because the police officers said, "You want you want some too." Basically, we're going to shoot you too. This sure. was it was it was pretty pretty unprofessional. Well, the the officer too, Michelle, that <clears throat> shot her, he was not one of the three officers that she was talking to. The three officers she was talking to were directly in front of the doors. The an officer in a jacket behind the doors who wasn't a part of that conversation is the guy who shot Ashley Babbitt. You see his arm ex extend up with his firearm, and then boom. But you don't uh, hear him saying halt or a, a warning, which is part of the protocol. And so it's it's huge, and it's it's uh, a bungling, horrific event. Um, well, and I I don't know what to really pin this on. Um, is it a is it a mindset of police now that, okay, we're not supposed to get involved, go ahead, let people just run amok? Because that's all we saw during 2020 and part of 2021. Go ahead, run amok, take over our, our police precinct. It's okay, we'll just, you know, move out, you know. Do you need help moving that in? How about that barrier there? Can we help you lift it? Right, you know, we, right. we, we Maybe we're in a place where police don't know what the heck they're supposed to do anymore. Um, 
and yeah. we're not holding one side accountable, but we're overholding and creating problems that aren't there when it's the other side. And the final thing that I, I wanted to tie this into is an incident that took place in your home state, and that was at a synagogue where right. you had a terrorist that uh, took hostages and yet we're slow to respond, slow to call it terrorism. We don't want to overreact. And That was crazy. You know, when, crazy. Are, when are we going to say was, that's enough? I was, I was watching that one really closely. And uh, I actually just, this, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't go to that synagogue. I don't know the rabbi. I'm not Jewish. Um, I, I, I actually, I just sent a random message to the, to the rabbi, just letting him know that there were a lot of people that were praying for him and thinking about him and just wishing him rapid healing. Uh, that situation was so crazy. The media is not calling it like it is, but here you have a guy who um, this rabbi was trained, I guess, on, on situations like this just four or five weeks prior to the situation taking place. This guy heroically threw a chair at this, I have to say, anti-Semitic man who was attacking a Jewish place of worship, uh, threw a chair at the guy to give uh, two of his of his uh, congregation members the chance to flee before he himself ran out. Uh Thankfully, the, there was another hostage that was released earlier in the afternoon, but these poor folks were held hostage for over 11 hours uh, by a guy who was, who was claiming to try to get out this other terrorist who was, uh, I guess she was kind of known as like Mrs. Al-Qaeda or so, or Dr. Al-Qaeda, uh, this lady who tried to attack uh, both FBI and military personnel, a, a Pakistani neuroscientist mm-hmm. who's got an 80-year sentence that she's serving, uh, I believe outside of Fort Worth. This, 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 well, first of all, the reality is, is, when places of, of worship are, are under attack, um, they're being, I, I guess, kind of raped of something that's very, very sacred. Uh, the, the ability to assemble there peacefully has to be protected. And when the media isn't covering things like they are, then I think that really waters down and dilutes what uh, I think what the public does in response. Okay, now uh, that's think- the lesson right there. You just yeah. talked about it. It's the same <clears throat> that we're dealing with with the Ashley Babbitt situation. It's the same with the synagogue situation. And even with the coronavirus, when the media isn't reporting, when there isn't accountability, when the hard questions are aren't asked and the conversations are not taking place, it is a detriment to everyone. Every place of worship is in peril. Every uh, assembly could turn into absolute disaster because police are, don't maybe don't know what to do. Uh, right. Everybody is at risk of uh, mask asphyxiation disease and, and problems because we're not talking about things. And that's why this program and those like it are so important. You know, maybe we're not, maybe I'm not the best talk show host in the world. Maybe we don't have the widest audience that you've ever encountered maybe i'm not a multi-billionaire i'm not you know mr bean or anything you know right or maybe she's all of those things (laughs) (laughs) definitely not the millionaire i'll give you that but we're just we're a voice i'm we the people that's who i am i am we the people you are we the people and i don't care if you uh have an audience of two that you're talking to at work or you do your own podcast and you're like well i don't know what i'm doing uh but you're reaching people you are a voice we are a voice we are we the people that's why we're doing what we're doing to get the word out while we still have free speech and even after we don't if it's dangerous we're going 
going to keep doing it because it's the right. right thing to do. Freedom is worth it. It's that important. And being able to speak free makes reminds you of the most important thing that we touch on on My Michelle Live, and that's the God story. There is a God. And when with a biblical worldview, you have a crazy consistency that you're just like, what? It really brings everything into perspective, balance, love, loving your neighbor as yourself, loving your enemies, uh, being able to find that peace that surpasses understanding. It comes with an understanding that there is a God and there is a right worldview that brings everything into perspective. That's what we try to look for. We're out of time today. But um, my friend, Adam, who, by the way, did you know he's ordained? What? I am. I've been ordained for two years. I'm so excited. So I'm going to, uh, I'm actually going to Houston later today to go officiate a vow renewal ceremony for some, some good family friends. I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, and so is my, my travel crew, my wife and my pugs. All three of them. <laughs> yeah. They could be ring bearers, you know. <laughs> That's right. I'm just ring saying. Pugs. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's another side of the God story you'll hear on my Michelle Live. Thanks, Adam. We'll catch you next week. Have a great one, everybody. For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.